Proverbs chapter number 19. How many of you know that song? Yeah, let's end the night with that one if we can. If you men don't run off, we'll end the night. We always end Sunday night with a song together. We'll sing that. Maybe in the back they could find the words. I knew most of them, all right? And so we could sing that together. And then everybody keep an eye on Stephen. The Braves don't play until 8.30. He just heard that he doesn't lead the last song. So we're just watching him, <laughs> that he'll stick around. I'm going to read the entire Proverbs chapter 19 to you as we continue through the book of Proverbs uh, together. Daniel and Mika had their baby girl this afternoon. Um, little Anna Sophia, I believe is her name. And she shares a birthday with Hannah back there. And so that's nice. And um, yes, and uh, so make sure you wish her a happy birthday uh, today. Probably won't see the Coopers today, but maybe you could write them and tell them how excited uh, we are for them. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 19. I'm going to read the whole chapter to 29 verses. So stay and follow along. When we finish Proverbs, we're going to go to the book of Lamentations. Greg and I have already begun the work on that uh, for Sunday nights. Looking forward to it. Sounds like a weird book to look forward to, right? Looking forward to lamenting uh, Lamentations together, uh, but like all parts of God's Word. Last week we left, we looked at every verse in chapter 18 except the one, and we'll bring it in uh, today. But unfortunately, we won't be looking at all the verses in chapter 19 tonight, but we will see um, a lot of them. Please follow along with me, Proverbs 19. Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that perverse in his lips and is a fool. Also that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good, and he that hateth with his feet sinneth. The foolishness of a man perverteth his ways, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. Wealth maketh many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall not escape. Many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend of him that giveth gifts. And the brethren of the poor do hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursueth them with words, yet they are wanting to him. He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall find good. A false witness shall not be unpunished. He that speaketh lies shall perish. Delight is not seemingly, seemly for a fool, but much less for a servant to have rule over princes. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is glory to pass over a transgression. Verse 12, The king's wrath is as the roaring of a lion, but his favor is as dew upon the grass. A foolish son is the calamity of his father, and the contentions of a wife are as a continual dropping. House and riches are an inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. Slothfulness catheth to a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. He that keepeth the commandment keepeth his own soul, but he that despises his ways shall die. He that hath pity upon the poor leaneth unto the Lord, and that which hath he hath given will he pay him again. Chasten thy son while there is hope. And let not that soul spare for his crying. A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment, for thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again. Hear counsel and receive instruction, that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. There are many devices in a man's heart, nevertheless the countenance of the Lord that shall stand. The desire of a man is his kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. The fear of the Lord tendeth in life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. A slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Smite a scorner and the simple will be aware and reprove one that is understanding and he will understand knowledge. He that waiteth his father and chaseth away his mother is a son that causeth shame and bringeth reproach. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction and that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. And an ungodly witness scorneth judgment and the mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. Judgments are prepared for scorners and the stripes of the back of fools. 
Heavenly Father, I ask that you would help us now make application for so many themes and so many topics throughout this chapter. But you know us, Lord, personally, and you know what verses are to take root upon our hearts tonight. And I pray that all of us would be sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that the Word of God would find its place in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Last week, um, last Sunday night, one of the verses I left off, in verse number 22 of chapter 18, it says, Whosoever findeth a good wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. That'd be an appropriate place to say amen, man. I'll give you one more shot, okay? <laughs> Whosoever findeth the wife findeth the good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Amen. Oh, wonderful, okay? Then in verse number 19, verse 14, Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. So with amen again, all right? And so we have a verse in 18 and one in 19 that speak about it. Last time we said we didn't give uh, time to it. And um, last night had the opportunity to go uh, to T. Wayne and Manna's wedding, and it was just so Christ-centered. It was just wonderful. Y'all know T. Wayne, right? I feel cooler just him having him um, as a friend. And a couple things that I just loved in that wedding, and I told all the young men around him, I said, I'm so glad I got married before T. Wayne, because he really brought the bar up, okay, in a couple ways. Uh, Brother Robert did a great job preaching the gospel, but it was just heard all throughout the night. Uh, one of the ways, Manna, in writing her vows, she looked at T. Wayne and said, thank you for loving Jesus more than you love me. That's exciting. The parents, you know, they hear that, how wonderful it was. They hear friends. They hear Manna. Manna hadn't been saved that long when she first came to our church. For her to have grown as she did, that was so wonderful. T. Wayne wrote his vows, and they rhymed, and it was just incredible. Can't even explain it. It was just incredible. It was like a haiku and a rap all wrapped together. Um, it was just awesome. I can't even talk about it. It was so great. And then, um, and then he uh, washes her feet in the wedding ceremony, representing his desire to be a servant. And um, it was just so special. And uh, Stephanie, I'm not going to wash your feet tonight, okay? I know you wouldn't have that. Uh, but what they represented was that he knew that he had found a good thing. And I was so challenged. As I was challenged by the men telling about evangelism last night and every time I go to a wedding, Stephanie, we say it's a cheap date, meaning we don't pay anything, we get free food, get to dress up. It's a, it's a free date for us, you know. And I was just so uh, provoked to realize that I have been given a good thing, to be given a wise and a prudent uh, wife, one that have obtained favor from the Lord. And I'm grateful. If you're married in here, you should be thankful as well that God would allow us to marry one of his daughters. It's just such a, a, a blessing. And so... Thinking about the, those two verses and then looking here, I want to kind of frame the night looking at the, at the Proverbs. I could look at these Proverbs as a son. I could look at them as a dad. But I want to look at the Proverbs tonight as a husband, as the, somebody that has received the gift from uh, the Lord. And then I would challenge you men in here that are married to do the same. The men in here that will be married to do the same as well. And then, uh, ladies, you know how to engineer Bible verses and to know how it works for you as well, right? Every time it says for all men, you know it's talking about you, right? Uh, you always know how to find a place for it um, in your life, and I hope you'll do that. And so, a house of riches or inheritance of the fathers, a prudent wife is from the Lord. And if you have found a worthy or a virtuous woman, you have found a great thing. Ruth 3.11 says, And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requestest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Everybody recognized that this woman was a worthy, virtuous woman. And how did Boaz know that? It's because he was a virtuous man. Ruth 2.1, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. He was a mighty man of wealth. 
He was a uh, virtuous man. He was a worthy man. And so young men in here, I said this before, I may be sounding getting personal, but I think I'm getting pastoral in here to a moment because when we go to the Bible, you're never going to recognize a virtuous woman if you're not a mighty man, if you're not a virtuous man. Only men of good character seek out women of a good character. Only men who love the Lord will recognize when a woman that loves the Lord, that is the greatest of all of her uh, virtues. And so what was seen in his life, he was somebody that would protect her, and he does that. He's somebody that provided for her. He was very kind to her, and he was redeeming. Those four things are true about him. He was a mighty man and it, that was said about him, and it takes mighty men to find virtuous women. Men of low character do not know what to look for. They only see people for what they ha- can have to gain. Ruth 4, 6 represents most men of any generation, and the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself. Um, It being her, the woman, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. One man looked at her and said, too many problems, not enough for me. I'm not going to buy in. But a man of character said, she is virtuous, and she is whatever the cost is personally for me. I will provide for her. I will protect her. I will be kind for her. I will redeem her. And it's such a beautiful picture. She is a gift, and she can be, she can be trusted. Proverbs thirty one eleven, speaking of the virtuous woman, the heart of the husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. And that place that you can go to trust, it's such a wonderful thing to have that refuge. Sharing with Stephanie last night about my little brother. Fortunately, I don't think you know he listens to the sermons, and I wish he would. But it's just, you ever been on a, a long road trip and you just need to be home? You know, you just, it, there isn't enough, enough, nice enough hotel. There's just nothing nice enough. You can even eat out so much that you're just tired of it, right? You just want a ham sandwich, you know? You just want something that comes out of your own kitchen and you just feel like you're always running and you're never home. And, you know, I felt that for my little brother um, as I was watching uh, Mana lay her head upon T. Wayne's chest. She just seemed like she was home, you know? I was so happy for her. I was so excited for her. She had found somebody that she could trust, somebody that she could talk to. And that's what T. Wayne has found as well, somebody that he could trust, somebody that makes a house into a home. And that's such a wonderful thing. My heart was broken because my little brother just lives as a traveler of this world that never finds home. You know, you can be homeless on every way possible. And there's just a way that you never find home. And I'm so thankful that I find refuge in the Lord, Psalm 91, but I also find in my wife somebody that I can trust and that I can just find, I can be home. You know, you don't have to explain yourself all the time. You're like, I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking the same thing. This afternoon, we were doing a little paper, rock, scissors, um, legalized gambling in our home uh, over something we didn't want to do. I forgot what it was tonight. And it took about nine times before we didn't come up with the same answer. We've been married a long time, apparently. Uh, Somebody I can trust. She is a gift because she works hard. Proverbs thirty-one twenty-seven. She looketh well to the ways of a household and eateth not the bread of idleness. We can look at all of Proverbs 31, but what we're saying is if you have got a prudent wife, if you have a virtuous wife, you have found the good thing, favor with the Lord, and so you ought to want to live a life of virtue as well. And so we should be grateful that we have wives that work uh, so hard as unto uh, the Lord. A virtuous woman will. So knowing that I have a prudent wife from the Lord, how should I live in my marriage with her? Knowing that I've found favor from the Lord and I'm blessed in that way, how should I live with her? So first thing I'd like to say is being poor may have to be an option 
at times, but not having integrity um, isn't an option. I want to try that again because that didn't come out very well. Um, Being poor may have to be an option. Not having integrity is not. There may come times in your life where you're going to have to live poor early on. They say two can live as cheap as one, but only half as long, all right? And some of you know when you're first married that you're going to live in a way that's not like your parents were living. So there's going to be times that you have lived. A lot of times in the Bible, it talks about poverty being a bad thing. There's many, even in this chapter, there's times where poverty was the result of sin, right? But there's other times that it says that it's not. And there's things in this world worse than being poor. It's being somebody that doesn't have integrity. That's way worse Being poor of character is far worse being poor of wealth. Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Man, if you come to a place in your job um, occupation that God's given you to do, and you have to choose between being poor and living day by day from the work that you have and living without integrity, walk away poor, but keep your integrity. I know that's a lot easier for me to say from where I'm standing because I say it and you say amen. You say it at your job and they say you're fired, okay? So I thank you for allowing me to walk integrity and not be poor. Poverty is not always seen as bad. Worse than poverty is not having money as sin. False witness shall not be unpunished and he that speaketh lies shall not escape. People can make a false witness to somebody and many times they get by with it because it can never be proven one way or another. But God says that never goes unpunished. He always knows. He knows when we're living in integrity and when we speak. And so, but poverty should never be the result of idleness. That's right here. Where you at over here? I'm going to talk to you for a little bit, okay? I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to transition from me to my wife. I'm going to talk to you young men here for a second, all right? As we think about someday, I pray that you'd have a prudent wife. Prudent doesn't sound very pretty, but it really is, okay? You want to have a prudent wife. And don't let poverty be the result of your idleness. Slothfulness catheth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Proverbs 19.15. Never be poor because you wouldn't get up and work. You ever seen the person on the street corner that's working hard? I don't care if they're juggling or washing windows. At least they're doing something, right? That's a lot better than just standing there. If you're going to be idle, if you're going to be poor, don't be idle about it. A slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom, and it will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. That's some serious laziness going on right there. You got a little Debbie in your pocket, and you can't even give it to your mouth, all right? Like that guy, he deserves to be hungry. I mean, he couldn't make it any stronger. And so, and then it takes discretion here. So first of all, I want to say being poor may not have, poor, being poor may have to be an option at times, but not having integrity. As a person who has favor from the Lord, been married to a prudent wife, I have to live in my integrity. Um, if I have to be poor, that will be fine because God will take care of me, but I have to live in my integrity. That's what God demands of me, and that's what she deserves of me as somebody who's wanting to live integrity herself. Second, it takes discretion to defer anger and pass over a transgression. This one isn't as nice there. Okay, here we go. A discretion of a man deferreth his anger and is a glory to pass over a transgression. Man, it sounds so good in theory, doesn't it? Uh, just the look over, not putting the toilet seat down or not putting the the milk back in, the refrigerator, um, whatever it is that I do, or to not um, put the lid back on a two liter like you're supposed to, or to not put the cereal up, or to not put my shoes where they're supposed to go, or to not do so many things. It takes glory to look over that. Why don't you just come join me down here, all right? And so sometimes this is, sometimes this is going to be hard uh, for her, and it's going to be hard for you. These are verses about a woman, okay? A foolish son is a calamity of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual 
dripping, dropping, a continual dropping. Man, if your wife's ever nagging you, just go drop, drip, 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 drip. They love that. I promise you. I promise. I've done it many times. They remember anything till the next day. All right. All my problems went away. Um, it is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Wow. All right. Not only that, it is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. Proverbs twenty five twenty four. It is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than a brawling with sin and a continual dropping. And so it gives you an idea how to handle the situation, right? Two different options. It's better to go up to the rooftop, even if you've got a double wide, it says, to go up in a wide house. And in that, you're going to go up and sit on that or be out in the wilderness. So then the question is, which one is it? Do I have to, like, the first one I hear, like, oh, apparently I got to stay in the house. I can just go to the farthest corner of the house and stay there and watch over it. But the other one says I get to go hunting out in the woods and be away from them. And the man with the quarrelsome wife is not free to abandon her. He has made a covenant with her. You don't get to walk away because he's uh, dropping um, or that she's dripping here, as it would say. Mark 10, 5 through 7. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife. God calls us to treat a quarrelsome wife better than she deserves, not worse than she deserves. The same for a husband, thank God. Proverbs twenty four seventeen. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. That enemy being at times the person that you're arguing with, don't rejoice in your spouse's falling, but to, to help them where they're at. Help them as the weaker brother. Help them overcome that. Sometimes we get so caught up in an argument that you realize that winning isn't even a win, right? That we should help them. It is better to live in the corner of a housetop than the house shared with a quarrelsome wife. That means it's of greater ease and comfort and greater peace at the housetop of where we better than going downstairs and loving this woman, which is the better thing to do. Get off the top of your roof and go love your wife, is what the Bible would say. It may be easier for you to stay on the rooftop. It may be easier in the wilderness. But go and love your wife because you have been a gift from God. Many arguments in marriage center around timing. Do you know that to be true? Unmet expectations kill marriages about timing, what time we should leave, what time we should go to something, when we should do this, when we can make that purchase. It has to do with timing. Proverbs nineteen twenty one. There are many devices in man's hearts, nevertheless the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. Our wives need to be confident that there are steps that are being ordered of the Lord and we aren't just making it up um, as we go. You know that? They really need to know that we say, dear, I may not know what I'm doing right now, but I'm waiting for the Lord to tell me that I, my wife needs to know that the God of heaven is ordering my steps. Because if not, if I'm not looking to the God of heaven to order my steps, then I'm constantly having to make a balance between either my way or her way. And when you're trying to do it like that, it's always going to be out of balance. So what we say is say, Lord, it's not my way, it's not her way, but Lord, we want your way. That's who we're submitting ourselves to. And so when we go to the Lord in prayer and say, God, we want you to order our steps because many are our ways, many of our devices. Lord, I have so many plans of things I want to do. Man's goings are of the Lord, verse 24. How can a man then understand his way? We have to be seen as going to the Lord and say, Lord, would you help us? I have a small tribe of people I got to leave. I have a wife that I need to lead. I need you to order my steps. And so how do we pass over transgression? Think upon the things of God, 1 Peter 2.19. For this is thankworthy. This is commendable. This is an awesome thing to do. 
If a man for conscience toward God endured grief, suffering wrongfully. If a man for conscience towards God endured grief. See, Peter's encouraging them through something that's way more intense than anything that I'm going to experience, which is violence, 1 Peter 2.20, or ridicule, 1 Peter 4.4, or fiery trials. And he would say it's a thankworthy thing that you would look upward in the midst of all these things that are going on. So how do you pass over a transgression? Is you don't look down upon the person and the transgression, but it's a thankworthy thing that you would look upward, a God consciousness that is there. The daggers others throw your way will become in God's hands chisels that will fashion you into the image of Christ. You say, God, whatever comes my way, I thank you for it. This is outside of marriage. This is just in life. Things are going to come your way. And how do you endure that? How do you overlook the transgression? How do you allow somebody to say something to you that is so hurtful, that is so hurting, is you don't look down upon it, but you look up to God and say, God, you've seen what this is. You see what's coming my way. Take what was meant for evil and, Lord, use it as good in my life. First Peter 2.21, For even hereunto where you were called, we were called to a life of struggle, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. So we should fear the Lord above all else. Proverbs 19.23, The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Those sound like great promises, right? To have your life tended, cared for, tended for life, to be satisfied, to not be visited by evil. And that comes from a fear of the Lord. It's contrasted with uh, being hard to hear. Proverbs twenty-eight fourteen: Happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall in to mischief. That hardening of his heart. What is the result of a hardened heart? It's not receiving the word. How did we say the day that we would know what was the condition of our heart? It told us in Luke chapter number 8, the way you can tell the condition of your heart is that when the word comes to it, how does it respond? I gave a book out on a baby dedication, a parent dedication called Shepherding a Child's Heart. One of the best ways that we know that the condition of our children's heart is that when we instruct them with God's word, is it absorbed or is it reflected off of it? Does it go into it? Is our hearts hard or is it receiving it? If we have a fear of the Lord, then we will receive it. A fear of God corresponds with humility and lowliness and a sensitivity in our heart. Isaiah 66, 2. For all things hath made, mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. An awesome presence of God in living and working inside of us, not against us, should produce a trembling Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh the both will and the do of his good pleasure. Not in holding the copy of the book in my hand, but it's when you come to God and to his word, there ought to be a fear and trembling, recognizing that he is working, and that to recognize to reject his working in our lives, the heart in our heart, is to fight against all happiness in our home, is to fight against all happiness in our future. So we should delight in fearing his name. That's how it's said in Nehemiah 111. O Lord, I beseech thee, let thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name, and who prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer, who desire to fear thy name. I would hate to be known as a man who feared nothing, including God. 
know, be a man that fears nothing except the Lord. That'd be a wonderful testimony, right? But be a man who says, I fear nothing, not even the Lord. That is not a man that you'd want to be. And then lastly here, seek godly advice and run to it. So young men looking to be married, those of us that are married, um, all of us in here, we should be seeking godly advice, run to it. And that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good. And he that hasteth with the feet sinneth. He that finds the wrong thing to do and runs to that sins. But we should be looking for people that run towards godly advice. Rehoboam teaches us how not to seek counsel. He goes to the old experienced people to get wisdom which is a good thing to do. You know, even Job's friend, the youngest one, he sat there and he didn't speak and he gave the best advice. But he says, with the ancient is wisdom, the length of days understanding. Proverbs twelve twelve. the youngest one sat there and he said, I know that I shall let the older people speak first because with them length of days comes more understanding. I used to like new books better than old books, right? A new shiny cover was better than an old book. But the more you read, the more you want the old books, right? You want it to, to pass the test of time. Well, old people, you're like that in here, okay? You passed the test of time. You must know something to live this long. Congratulations, Chuck. It's quite impressive, all right? You have made it. If a man around here has a gray beard, that means they survived something, okay? I am proud of every gray hair that I get in my beard. It means that we have survived something. We have lived through something, which is to say that it's not just common knowledge, but it's biblical understanding that we should go to old people and ask for advice. You should go to people that have been married longer and life longer than you, and you should seek counsel and you should run to it. And if you only receive counsel when it agrees with you, you're not really seeking, seeking counsel at all. Rehoboam, it says he forsook the counsel of the old men because he liked what the young guys said better, and it wasn't good. And you see his arrogance that came out when he says that my finger will be thicker than my dad's uh, loins. Older people aren't always right. Old people say amen with me here. Old people aren't always right. None of y'all identify as old. All right. Uh, we aren't looking for old truth, but we're looking for God's truth. But they are a great starting point going to them because they were elder than he, Job 32, 4. Now Elihu had waited till Job had spoken because they were elder than he. Old people are a great place to start looking for wisdom. But we're not looking for the wisdom of old people. We're looking for God's wisdom. And they have it many times. And when they do, we ought to be wise and take heed to it. So God's word has wisdom for us. So let's not listen to the lies of this world. Proverbs nineteen twenty seven: Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes the error from the words of knowledge. You're going to be sold on a lot of false wisdom this week, a lot of words that are not good instruction to you. Cease listening to that. God's word has plenty of instruction for you. And here's just a few of them. Being poor may have to be an option at time, but not having integrity isn't an option for you. We have to be people of integrity in our lives and our marriages. It takes discretion to defer anger and pass over a transgression. Not letting anything go by you is not a compliment. That guy lets nothing go by. That's not a compliment. You ought to let some things go by. You need wisdom of what transgressions to overlook. You need, um, you need wisdom to know when to look up instead of looking down at the fence that comes your way. Fear the Lord above all else and seeking godly advice and run to it. And here's some wisdom God gives us from the night, from Proverbs chapter number 19. All right, I want to pray 
And the butter biscuit boys are going to come, the buttermilk biscuit trio is going to come back up here and they're going to lead us in that song that we sang about resolve. That's a good word to end on the night is resolve. Resolve is a good word to have, to stay steadfast in your principles that God has given us uh, from his word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. We thank you how it has application to us in every uh, stage of life. I pray that my brothers and sisters in here tonight, Lord, found the word that you would have for them and it would find a place to be absorbed and taken in deeply and it would be nutrients for their soul, Lord, and transform us. Lord, I thank for an opportunity to sing unto you where I pray that it is true that we would resolve, Lord, uh, to live a life that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.